Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry, we were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right, ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary, forward prohibited by law, 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. This is True Crime Psychology and Personality, where we discuss the pathology behind some of the most horrific crimes and those who committed them from a scientifically informed perspective. I'm Dr. Todd Grande. I have a PhD in counselor education and supervision, and I'm a licensed professional counselor of mental health. Dr. Todd Grande, that's my YouTube channel. Today's question is, can I analyze the case of Jamie Osuna? So first I'll look at the background in this case, I'll move to the timeline of the crimes, then offer my analysis. There is not a lot known about the early years of Jamie Osuna, and most of what is available came from him. He doesn't appear to be a reliable historian, but I'll talk about the information available. Osuna was born sometime around 1988 and grew up in California. He claimed that he had a rough childhood, saying he was raised by the streets. His father was out of the picture and his mother was an inconsistent provider. When he was alone at home, he would torture and kill small animals, like cats. He said that he started cutting at the age of four. Violence became a part of his character. He dropped out of school in the ninth grade and had frequent run-ins with the law. Over time, he became more emotionally disconnected from the world. He had trouble feeling anything. He hurt himself because for him, it was better to feel pain than to feel nothing. He started to become fascinated with the idea of committing homicide. He said the thrill of homicide was an addiction, better than sex or drugs. He claimed he committed his first murder at age 13. He was not caught by the police. He claimed to have committed another homicide later on in 2007. He was never arrested for that crime either. His stories about these two homicides are uncorroborated as far as I know. Now we move to 2008. This part of his life involves a woman he would eventually marry. I noticed in one of the sources that covered the story, her real name is not used. They referred to her as Jane, so I will do the same thing. This section of the narrative is based on her statements to a reporter. Some components are uncorroborated. In December of 2008, when Osuna was 20 years old and on parole, he went to a party hosted by a 37-year-old mother of four, who I will refer to as Jane. Jane was single. She had worked as a nurse on a psychiatric unit of a prison, but had to retire after she was attacked by an inmate. The inmate ruptured her breast implant and herniated a disc in her spine. So moving to this party in December of 2008, Jane was dancing with a man. Osuna retrieved a knife from the kitchen and stabbed the man with whom Jane was dancing. Osuna had never met the man he stabbed, Osuna was charged with assault and violating parole. He was returned to prison. From prison, he started a romantic relationship with Jane. He started writing her. They would write back and forth. This went on for a year. She agreed to pick him up from prison when he was released so the two could go have sex, which they did at a hotel. Jane became pregnant from that interaction. Osuna eventually married Jane, and they had a child. Not long after, and not surprisingly, 
Osuna became violent. He started using methamphetamine, which only made his behavior more aggressive. The relationship between Osuna and his wife broke down as he started threatening her. Now moving to November of 2011, Osuna committed a homicide, which has been confirmed. The police are aware this was a real crime. His victim was a 37-year-old mother of six named Yvette Pina. He apparently told his wife to be on the lookout for news about the hotel where the murder happened. She called the police to report this, but they did not investigate anything about the hotel at this time. The victim's body was found in one of the hotel rooms with knives and a pair of scissors protruding from her back. This caused the police to take more of an interest in that report from Osuna's wife. This led them back to Jamie Osuna. He was arrested and charged with murder. The police would realize that Osuna did not know the victim. They had no pre-existing relationship. At first, Osuna denied committing the crime, but later, during an interview with the media, he confessed, saying it was premeditated and sadistic. He tortured and killed the victim in order to get a rush. He did nothing to clean up the crime scene. For example, he left DNA behind. He would later claim that he did this on purpose to get caught. He was ready to spend his life in prison. Even though Osuna had been part of a gang, he said that none of his murders were related to gangs. Again, he was referring to two murders before the one in November of 2011. Those murders, as I mentioned, were unconfirmed. Osuna expressed no remorse for his crimes. He actually said that he planned on continuing to commit murder. He said if he could go back in time, he would change nothing. Rather, he would go back and do it over and over again. If he was ever released from prison, he would commit homicide and be right back in the same place. To avoid the death penalty, Osuna pleaded guilty to the murder of Yvette Pina and many other crimes related to that incident. He was sentenced to life in prison without the possibility of parole. Prison officials knew that Osuna was a dangerous individual. They knew he was a risk to commit murder in prison for a variety of reasons. For example, he had been charged with attempted murder when he was in jail prior to his conviction. Osuna had been caught with a shank on one occasion and a hatchet-like weapon on another. He attacked an inmate causing wounds that required 67 stitches. He had expressed a desire to kill people and a propensity for extreme violence. He was recommended for placement on a mental health unit. Sometime around March 7, 2019, when Osuna was 31 years old, prison officials decided to put another inmate in the same cell with him. They had never done this before with Osuna. The inmate was 44-year-old Luis Romero. He had recently been transferred from another prison. He had been convicted of second-degree murder in connection with a 1992 fatal shooting of a woman in Compton, California. Romero was getting fairly close to being released. That's why he was transferred. On the evening of March 8, prison staff did not conduct the regularly scheduled checks that they should have. In the prison cell, housing Osuna and Romero, a white sheet was draped along the bars. This was a violation of policy, yet the prison staff did not bother to investigate until the early morning hours of March 9. Upon inspection, they realized that Romero was decapitated. He was disfigured in a number of other ways as well, including having the corners of his mouth cut similar to that of the character Joker in the 2008 movie The Dark Knight. Osuna was wearing a necklace made from the body parts of Romero. Jamie Osuna had done all of the damage with a small razor. 
Early in 2021, a judge determined that Osuna was not competent to stand trial. So at the time making this video, that's where the case stands. He is incarcerated and nothing's moving forward with the trial. Now moving to my analysis. As far as Osuna's mental health, he was diagnosed with antisocial personality disorder, borderline personality disorder, and unspecified schizophrenia spectrum. Antisocial personality disorder is a disorder characterized by symptoms like repeated criminality, impulsivity, and irresponsibility. This one makes sense based on Osuna's history. Borderline personality disorder is characterized by frantic efforts to avoid abandonment, relationship instability, and difficulty regulating emotions. This also seems to make sense based on the account of Osuna's wife. Looking at the schizophrenia diagnosis, unspecified schizophrenia spectrum is not actually a diagnosis. It appears the mental health clinicians believe Osuna has something like schizophrenia, if not schizophrenia. Perhaps he was demonstrating symptoms of psychosis, but it's not clear from what's available. Jamie Osuna has displayed a number of violent and disturbing tendencies. He kills because it's gratifying. He has made it clear that he will continue to kill if he's able. He is unconcerned with spending his life in prison. He has no fear of consequences. Osuna would say that all people are the same to him. He doesn't care who he targets as a victim. He has talked about praising Satan, which some people have reported as disturbing. He asked for crime scene photos from his prison murder. A judge denied that request. Osuna seemed to be fascinated with the character Joker, as I mentioned. In addition to the Joker smile and eyes that he has tattooed on his face, he once sent a person he was threatening a photo of themselves with a Joker smile and eyes on it. He's also texted people the phrase, why so serious? A quote from the movie, The Dark Knight. There have been a few cases of criminals who appear to strongly identify with the character Joker, especially Heath Ledger's Joker, and to a lesser extent, the Joker is portrayed by Joaquin Phoenix. In addition to Jamie Osuna, James Holmes comes to mind, an individual who committed a mass murder in Colorado. I think there are a few reasons with this fascination specifically on Joker. Joker gave meaning and order to chaos. He believed chaos accomplished some higher goal. He often killed indiscriminately, and Joker is quite popular among people in general, those randomly sampled from the population, not just people who are criminal. So there is some type of mainstream acceptance of that villain. Therefore, if a criminal associates with Joker, they may think of themselves as more acceptable to society, like a way for them to become cool or notorious with a large crowd. As far as the prison attack allegedly perpetrated by Osuna, he demonstrates a degree of resourcefulness in terms of finding or making weapons in prison and attacking people. It's amazing to me that the prison staff would have ever considered him appropriate for having somebody in the same cell. Prisoners' rights are almost never protected, as well as the rights of people in the public. I think one of the reasons is that prisoners do not engender sympathy from the public. Romero was a murderer. He killed a woman. Some people look at what happened to him in prison and say, well, that's sad, but he did kill someone so it really doesn't seem that unfortunate. In a way, the negativity, apathy, and general disgust of prisoners that's promoted in society filters into the prison system. It's easy for people to lose sight of the idea that prisoners are human beings. 
inmates like Jamie Osuna only add to the stigma. He's a frightening-looking individual with a violent history. The irony is that Osuna should have never been in a normal prison. He should have been housed in a secure mental health treatment facility. What lessons can we learn from this case? Well, looking at everything, considering Osuna's relationship with his wife, the murder in 2011, the alleged murder in 2019, the various statements he has made, I think one lesson is not to underestimate someone who says they are dangerous, is violent repeatedly, offers no remorse, and essentially promises society that they will continue committing homicide. For the prison staff in particular, it was obvious that Osuna was dangerous. There was no possible way for him to make that any more clear. This wasn't a case of Osuna being manipulative, like he was being reticent, not revealing details about his intent. There's nothing subtle about his behavior. He is an unrepentant killer who identifies as such. The second lesson has to do with how Osuna connected with the woman he would eventually marry. Some people have looked at this and thought, why would Osuna's wife have started a romantic relationship with a man who stabbed a person with whom she was dancing? Especially considering this was the first time she ever met Osuna. There are probably a few explanations, but I will cover one idea related to this. I think clear warning signs can get overlooked when they're not typical warning signs. So to use an analogy from the world of buying a used car, people generally know about factors to consider when buying a car, some of which could be considered warning signs. For example, most people would know how to consider the car's age, mileage, and general condition. Like, does it have rust, body damage, does the paint look good? But other factors would be so unusual that they don't even make the list of things that somebody would normally look for when buying a used car. For example, if a used car salesperson was showing a prospective buyer a vehicle which was underwater, the prospective buyer would not find anything like a car being underwater on any type of checklist of items to consider. That's because it's considered obvious that you don't want to buy a car that is currently underwater. This is for a number of reasons, among them being it would be very difficult to see through the windshield. The windshield wipers wouldn't help too much in that situation. So going back to the situation with Osuna, stabbing a romantic competitor may not be on any list of warning signs on various internet articles talking about romance, like an article that talks about things to look out for. Is he insensitive? Does he talk about himself too much? And, oh yeah, does he stab people? It is assumed that common sense would kick in at some point. People don't think to add items like that to the list because, again, if somebody sees something like that, they would normally not begin a romantic relationship with that person. It would seem that many people have extended Osuna the benefit of the doubt in various situations throughout his life, even though he has made every effort to remove any doubt about his dangerousness. This has been True Crime Psychology and Personality from Ars Longa Media. This content is for educational and entertainment purposes only. Ars Longa, Vita Brevis. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say. 
Your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply.